0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want you to, to grasp the statement I'm going to make to you. I want you to hold on to it throughout this teaching this morning. God's desire... For every single one of us, obviously his first desire is that we receive Christ so that we are prepared for eternity, that when we, when our spirit leaves his body, that we will spend all of eternity in the presence of God. Obviously we know that, his primary goal for our lives. But what we need to grab a hold of today, and, and I'm going to warn you ahead of time, what I'm going to teach on today is going to be a little tough for, for some, okay? But nevertheless, it is the word of God and it needs to be delivered, okay? But I want you to grab a hold of this concept, Regardless of what you've been taught, regardless of what type of family you grew up in and whatever religious philosophy or whatever your belief system was, I want you to grab a hold of this. God's desire for us on this planet is that you live a life on this earth that is void of anxiety, of stress, of the pressures of life. Why is that? Because God desires for us to be so free in our soul and so free from the pressures of life in this world, so that you will have what it takes to reach out to somebody else who does not know Christ the way somebody reached out in your life. And it is extremely difficult to be mindful of other people's needs, it is extremely difficult to allow compassion to rise up on the inside of us when we're so caught up in our own needs and our own pressures. Would you agree? How many of you, I know I I can think of decades. How many of you could think of a time period in your life where all you can think about is, how am I gonna pay my bills? How am I gonna, my car's gonna get repossessed, my electric's gonna get shut off. I don't have any food for my kids. I don't know how I'm gonna, I, I wanna put them in private school, but I can't afford that. How many of you know what it's like to live with that kind of pressure? That is not God's will. And here's what I want us to really grasp a firm hold on today. God did not create this planet to be this way. When you're experiencing financial pressure, especially, when you're experiencing anxiety over where's my next meal going to come from? How am I, you know, what's going to happen 10 years from now? I need, I need a bigger house. My family's growing. I need a better vehicle. I got a job, but I don't have a way to get there. God does not want us so caught up with these things. He wants us free from those pressures. He doesn't want, he didn't create the planet this way. He did not create. Originally, when he created in what we call the Garden of Eden, okay, the Bible talks about the Garden of Eden. That was just a prototype for the rest of this planet. He created it in such a way that everything that man needed to thrive, he placed in that garden. And what you don't see in that garden is you don't see lack, you don't see... Uh, poverty, you do not see disease and sickness, you don't see oppression, you don't see any of these things, that we've grown commonplace. And so if you don't grab a hold of that truth and realize, wait a second, this isn't the way God meant this life to be, you'll start blaming God for those things. You'll start thinking, well, this is just my plight, this is just my life, this is the way it is. I guess he had it in for me, and I guess he had it in for all the generations before me, because as far as I can think back, you know, my grandfather had it tough, never had any money, My, my parents had it rough, never had any money. And you'll start thinking, this is just God just had it in for our entire family for generations, and that is the furthest thing from the truth. So if you don't understand that, then you will never have a desire, and you ever met people that just have absolutely no desire to better their lives? Just have no desire, this is the way it is, this is the way it is, this is the way it's always gonna be, and that's that. That's not God, God's plan has never been that way. So if you don't understand that this is not the way it's supposed to be, you'll never have any motivation or any incentive on the inside to try to change that and to make it better, or you go to the opposite extreme. You'll try to do everything in your own strength, work 15 jobs, you know, con and scheme people to try to get where you need to try to get your needs met. That is not God's will and it's not God's desire. He's given us a plan, he has given us a strategy, he's given us uh, something that we can implement, a principle for us to live by that will remove that stress, at least if we're trusting God, will remove that stress when we come to the place of putting our faith and trust in him, that we can live a life where I don't have to worry about these things. Now, I did not say, and don't go out of here today, and do not misunderstand from the teaching that I'm gonna get into, I did not say that you're not gonna have challenges. But how many of you go know here, you can raise your hands and agree with me, it's a whole lot easier to go through the hell on this planet when you know that God's with you than it is to go by yourself. Amen? Last week we talked about, we answered the question, does God care about our financial needs? Man, the feedback that I got from last weekend's message was unbelievable. God knows that money is a big deal to us. He knows that you have bills to pay. He knows that you need food, you need clothing, you need a place to live. You need need a vehicle to get to the job that he supplied you with. He knows all these things. He knows that we have responsibilities to our family and we also have responsibilities to our community to help others. Does God care about our financial needs? Last week we found that yes, he does very much. And just talk about two different things from last week and then I'm gonna move on because I can't really review the entire message. We found out about this widow last week that's recorded for us in Second Kings chapter four, okay? This woman, her husband died, she's got two sons. She's, she's so loaded in debt, she's so weighed down with debt that it got to the point where the creditors are coming to take her sons, gonna sell them into slavery to pay off the debt that she owed. Man, that's desperate, that's a bad situation to be in. And we found out real quickly, I'm just gonna review this very quickly. She goes to the prophet of God, a man named Elisha, Elisha hears from God, gives her a plan, says, what do you got in your house? She says, I just got a little bit of oil left. He says, go get that. Go to all your neighbors. Borrow as many jars and containers and everything as you possibly can get. get. And he says, and don't get a few. He said, now go inside. Get in the house there with your kids. Start pouring the oil out. Start pouring on." So this little jar of oil that she had ended up filling all these containers and containers and filling and filling and filling. Finally, when she gets the last container, the oil stops flowing what do we have here? Supernatural miracle. Where did that come from? God. Did God care about her needs? Absolutely. And he proved it by giving her a supernatural way for her to raise funds. And what does she do? She goes to the prophet, and says, that's it. Here's all the containers of the oil. He says, good. Now sell them all, pay off your debts, and then live on the rest, you and your sons. Man, that is. how would you like God to give you a supernatural plan to pay off your house today? <laughs> do you think you'd be under a little bit less stress if you didn't have a house payment? No, 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 I love debt, Pastor. <laughs> then we found this out. God's, do you know that God's aware of the tough times that you might be having? Look at the life of Jesus. Do we just read the gospel sometimes? And I pray that you are reading. I pray that you're studying, okay? You read the gospels, and you see Jesus over and over again. You see a common theme in Jesus' life. Every time he meets a person, the first thing he wants to do is looking to see what kind of need he can meet. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you following me, what I'm saying? Now think about this. It's one of the most famous instances in the Gospels. Jesus meets Simon Peter for the first time. And man, he's caught Simon Peter on a tough day. He, Jesus is there. They've, they, he's, it's in the morning time. They've been fishing at night. He kept, he's, he's on the shore and he says to them, he, after he's done speaking to the multitude there, he says to Simon Peter, hey, uh, get out in the boat. Let's go back out. And let's start fishing again. And what jumps out of Simon Peter, because you know, you know how when you're like, man, you just stepped on my last nerve, okay? <laughs> like you really hit a touchy spot here. He said, Jesus says, come on, let's go out and let's go fishing again. And the first thing that jumps out of Peter, first thing, and it was one of those things you probably wish he could have took back. goes, are you kidding me? We've been fishing all night and we've caught nothing. In fact, we even lost the bait. We don't even have the bait. And Jesus says, go out. So Peter says, okay, at your word. Man, we can learn a lesson right there. At your word. How many times we don't pay attention to the word of the Lord and we end up suffering in our lives? So he goes out. He goes out. And you know the story. He caught so much fish. I could just, I could just picture Jesus going, just every fish in that lake must have came to that spot. Why? Because it says that his nets were so full that they began to break. In fact, there was so much that he ended up calling his partners for their boat to come over. And it just goes to show you the lesson. When you get blessed, it's not supposed to bless just you. It's supposed to affect everybody around you. Amen? So what happened here? What, what happened here? Jesus... Jesus knows for me to be able to get this man to take me serious on the assignment that I'm going to place on his life. Because you remember right after that, Jesus says to now, get out of the fishing business and come and follow me. All right. What did he do first? The very first thing Jesus did was to do what? He met the need that that man had. If he did it for him, don't you think he's going to do it for you? And so we see this common theme all throughout scriptures of God having a plan. Now, Here's another thing that you must grasp, and this goes back to the first thing that I started talking about in the message today. Do you understand that when God created this planet, He did not create it in the shape that it's in right now, He did not create it with the system that's on it right now? Genesis chapter 3, let's read that for just a moment here. Genesis chapter 3 states this You remember the scenario, put yourself on the scene. Adam and Eve have just turned against God. They did what he told them not to do. They listened to the voice of the enemy instead of listening to the voice of God. They ate of the fruit that they were not supposed to eat of and sin came into the world instantaneously. And with sin came everything else that you and I are having to deal with today. Then God said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, now, now some people have said, you see that? Because he listened to his wife. <laughs> Read the rest of the sentence. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed, look at this phrase. Cursed is the what? Ground. For whose sake? For his sake. Could you imagine having to live with that? Could you imagine having to live with the fact, now all of us, how many people in here have messed up at any point in time in your life? You better raise your hand. (laughs) How many, let me, tell, let me clarify, how many have screwed up at some point in your life and it affected your loved ones? Let me see. How do you like living with that guilt? You know, imagine Adam. He's walking around thinking, Man, I, I, I ruined it for, for all of mankind. He brought sin into this world. He allowed sin to come into this world and with sin came this curse. Now, now watch this now. Jesus comes on the scene, and he literally comes on the scene, and his mission is to overturn this thing to where there was curse to bring blessing. And that's why when you and I come into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we are freed from the curse of the law, all the commandments, all the rules, all the regulations, because people back then were under this thing that if you can get it all right, then maybe you could experience some blessing. How many of you know how frustrating a life like that can be? Oh my gosh. And that see, that's religion. Religion gives you a set of rules to follow. And if you can get them all right, maybe. How many of you thank God that we're not in religion? How many of you thank God we're in a relationship with Jesus? That it's because of him that we have any expectation to have blessing. It's because of him that we have an expectation to spend eternity in his presence. Not because of how good you are, not because of how much you've given, how much how much you pray, how many rules you followed. I mean, those are good things to do, but they don't get us eternal life. Amen? Amen? So now, you must understand something about God's character. Even though Adam and Eve messed up, he did not leave them subject to the curse. He gave them a way out. God is always there to give you a way out. He's always there to give you a plan. He's always there to, to, to organize a rescue, to get you out of the mess that you put yourself in, always. And that is called Grace is called his goodness, his mercy towards us. So, again, remember that the economy in God's kingdom does not operate the way the economy in the world operates. When you and I got born again, and I pray that all of you here are, if you haven't, you'll have an opportunity at the end of the service, okay, what do I mean? When you and I received Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we turned away from the enemy, basically did the opposite of what Adam and Eve did, they turned from God and went to the enemy, you and I turned from the enemy and we put our faith in God, yes? When that happens, you left, spiritually speaking, you are no longer under the system of the economy of this world. You are under the system of economy of the kingdom of God. God's economy operates as a kingdom. We have a king. It's the king's responsibility to supply for the subjects in his kingdom. Do you understand this? So when the king gives us a directive, when the king issues an order, when the king gives a command, when the king gives us a set of principles to follow, it would be foolish for us not to follow them. Why? Because they come from the heart of a benevolent leader. They do not come from the heart of a dictator. He does not give us directives and commands to crush us into the earth or to make us feel worthless. He gives us directives. He gives principles. He, he gives us uh, a system to follow that is going to lift you up, not bring you down. God is never looking to take from you. He's looking to get into your hands what you need. But there's one thing that is required of God by his subjects, and I hope you don't take that a negative connotation when I say subjects, because you and I are members of a kingdom, okay? There's one thing that God requires for us in order for this exchange to take place, and that is faith, would you say that with me? Faith, Faith. okay, God requires faith in order for us to access the blessings of his kingdom, okay, why? Faith is a sign that I trust him. How many of us want people to trust us? How How many of you want to establish a good track record in people's lives? okay how many want people to be able to say you know when, when you hear you know when Keith gives you his word man you can put it you can bring it to the bank because he's a man of God he's, he's got a good positive track record now we might not always be there but you know what I'm saying we build we want we have a desire at least how many have a desire to have a good reputation and for people to put their trust in your word well what is it what do you think it makes God feel like when some of his people don't trust him when we're not willing to put our faith in him, when we say, no, no, I'm gonna do this myself, well, go ahead, and you know, God's love, His stands and goes, God, knock yourself out. When you're done, let me know. <laughs> so when a principle comes from God, when a system of operation is revealed to us, it's always gonna require us to step in faith and to operate in faith. Because Faith is the language of the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me? You, you guys are all sitting there like, When's he gonna drop the bomb? You're sitting here like, I wanna, I wanna be happy about this, but I'm afraid he's gonna tell me something that I don't like today. God has a rescue plan. In Matthew chapter six is recorded for us a very small portion of what's the most famous sermon that's ever been preached in all of history. Even non-believers know about the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes and everything that Jesus taught. Well, in in Matthew chapter six, which is towards the end of that whole uh, scenario there, Jesus makes a couple of statements that are pretty astounding. Verse 31, therefore do not worry saying. How many of us spend so much time worrying and saying? Worrying and saying. If you just stop the saying part, the worry would never manifest itself. Are you getting this? Stop going around and constantly talking about your concerns and what you're anxious about, what you're worried about. what you know, I bet this is what's gonna happen. I know I'm gonna go to the doctor and he's gonna tell me this is what's wrong. I know, you know, yeah, you know, uh, I, I got a paycheck coming, but you know what? I bet you it's not gonna be enough money. and I, I bet you, how am I gonna, stop it. He's telling us right here. Do not worry, what? Saying, and what are we preoccupied with? The same things we are preoccupied with today. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Verse 32, for after, all, if, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now, that word Gentile means a person who has no connection to God, who is not in relationship with God. Do you talk like a person that's not in relationship with God? Or do you talk like a person who's connected to the Almighty One, the one who has control of everything in the universe, the one who, the one who owns all the silver and the gold? Do you have a, Do you talk like you're connected to the one who is able to meet all of your needs, or do you still talk like somebody out in the world that has no connection to God? I always complain and always moan and always this, always that. You know, I had to correct myself one time. I used to have a habit, every once in a while, i catch myself and, and I, walking through the supermarkets, and especially lately, walk through the supermarket and I caught, my, I caught myself saying to my wife, how are these young people supposed to feed their families? Look at the price of this food. Look at, the, look at this, a bag of apples, $7, are you kidding me? I'm thinking of something my grandfather would turn over in his grave if he ever found out that we're paying seven bucks for a bag of apples today. But you know what, everything's relative, you know? back years ago, when, when, when I used to make $150 a week and we thought it was a big amount of money, and I'm not talking to you like an old man sitting on a porch, I'm just talking about realities, okay? Realities. But then you think to yourself, wait a second, wait a second, God is big enough. Now, I'm not, I'm not justifying to go pay seven bucks for a bag of apples, but my God, if he's, not, if he's not able to supply the seven bucks so you can go buy the Honey Crisp instead of buying the cheap ones, then what kind of God is he? Did you guys fall asleep on me this morning? <laughs> You remember the title of this series, it's what? Real talk. talk. Do you not like to hear real talk in church? I don't know if I like talking about money in church. What do you spend your time talking about? Jesus knew, that's why he said don't go around saying what am I gonna eat, what am I gonna wear, where am I gonna live, how am I gonna pay my electric bill? Oh my God, my water bill this month, what the heck are you guys doing with the water? How many times you flushing the toilet in this house? (laughs) Shut that light off. Lower the heat, summertime, lower that air. Constantly talking poverty, constantly talking. Jesus said, do not therefore worry, saying. Now, Pastor Joe's talking about being reckless and irresponsible. Oh no, I'm not. But dear God, when are we gonna get to the place when we could finally trust God, that he is who he said he is, and he's going to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory through who? Through Christ Jesus. When are we gonna get to that place? God's got a rescue plan. Now, I'm going to go to a very difficult portion of scripture here. And I believe, God, that you're all mature enough that you're going to handle this. Go. This is the word of God. Lord, speak it to our hearts. Reveal it to us. Now, I want to remind you. Here comes a bomb, somebody said. (laughs) I want to remind you of this. The scripture I'm about to read to you is from the last book of what we call the Old Testament this is not the first time God is revealing this principle to Israel. He's reminding them of a principle that they forgot that they knew for thousands of years before this. I'm going to introduce you today to some of you are going to hear it for the first time. Some of you are going to hear it to the point where you don't want to hear it anymore, but you're going to hear it. We're talking about the principle that God instituted in his economy of the tithe. Okay, let me read the scripture and then we're going to, we're going to dissect it. We're going to pull it apart. We're going to. See how it applies to us today. Remember, this is not the first time God's introducing this. The principle of the tithe existed all the way back in the garden. It has always been there. It was taught to, Adam taught it to his children. You remember the whole deal with Cain and Abel? The whole deal with Cain and Abel, one of the reasons that infuriated Cain and caused him to rise up and kill his brother was because of the controversy over bringing an offering to God. I don't have time to go into it now. Go read it for yourself. Genesis chapter four, okay? Now listen, Malachi chapter three. Remember, God is bringing an indictment against the nation of Israel, saying to them, you forgot the principles that I taught you. So let's let's read it. Malachi chapter three, verse eight. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, "In what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Verse nine, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me even this whole nation. Now let me stop here for a minute. I want you to realize how serious this is. Look at this. He said, now remember back in Genesis chapter three when Adam sinned, God said, the ground is cursed because of you. But now here, he tells the people, you've got the curse on you now. Man, you talk about an escalation of consequences. Why? Because they forsook a principle that they knew to begin with. And what happens? Let me tell you this, from life experience and even from the scriptures, Israel got to the point where they forgot this basic principle because they had drifted away from God. And when your heart drifts away from God, you start abandoning the principles that you once knew. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so let's read the rest of it. Even this whole nation, verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that 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 there may be food in my house and try me now in this. This, I want to warn you ahead of time. This is the only place in scriptures where God ever says, try me. Try me, okay? Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be no room to receive it. How would you like to have that kind of blessing going on in your life? It's possible. It's possible. All right, look at the next verse. This one's even just as important. Verse Verse 11. And I, who's speaking here? God, through the prophet Malachi, is delivering this message to Israel. And he said, he's speaking through that prophet. He said, and I, God, will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Again, another precedent. This is the first and only time in the, all of the Bible that God said that he'll do something about the devil. Every other place in scripture, he tells you and I to do something about the devil. But in this, in this, in this spot here, he said, I'll do this. If you'll if you, if you follow these principles, If you will, if you will consider working in this system that I'm setting up, I'll go to bat for you. I'll make sure that the devourer is rebuked. Now watch this now, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Watch these next few words, so that he. Oh wait a minute! This devourer is is an individual. This devours an entity? Oh, you mean it's not my bad luck that I'm poor? It's not my bad luck. It's not the the fact that my family's been under poverty for generation after generation? You mean there's somebody behind this? Yeah, that's what it's saying here. So that he will not destroy the what? The fruit of your ground. What's the fruit of my ground? Whatever my work produces. And you wonder why. No matter how much of a raise you get, the paycheck's not enough. Because this is an actual concerted conspiracy against you, okay? Now, mind you, I'm not talking about you made stupid decisions. I can attest to that. Made dumb decisions, made dumb business decisions. Maybe left a job you shouldn't have left because you were making decent money for whatever reason. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're trying to do your best, trust me, I know what it's like to work six, seven days a week, to work 16, 18 hours a day, and still, it still feels like sand running through your hands, like you just can't stop. You can't stop that downward spiral, I know what that feels like. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about how you work hard and you do every, the best you can and the fruit is not destroyed on your ground. Look at the next verse. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you. Now I look at it this way, I don't know, maybe it's me, but let's just, let me suggest something to you. That fruit of the ground is my every week paycheck. That's my constant cash flow that's coming in. But now the vines, to me, speak of something in the future okay and your vines will not fail to bear fruit for you in the field that's talking about my investments that's talking about maybe my pension for the future uh, how many times do we hear stories these tragic stories of people that work so hard all their lives and they come to the place where they get ready to retire and all of a sudden the company makes an announcement you know what you know we put your money your pension funds went into a bad investment and they're gone we're sorry but you're gonna have to live on social security you know not crushing that is God's saying here, I'll even work in the long term. I'll even make sure if you'll follow these principles. And what is this principle all about? The principle's really not about the money. The principle is about putting God first. And we'll go through that as we continue with this. Okay? So he's saying, even your long-term investments, even even your concern for the future, I'll take care of. Go to the next verse. And all nations will call you blessed, and you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Man. Man. Is there another one after that? Okay, good, that's it. And somebody said, man, that's enough. Now watch, let's go through this. What is a tithe? What is a tithe? I know that word is strange to many of us. I know when I first came into this type of Christianity, I was like, what does that mean, tithe? What does that mean? Tithe is an old English word. Tithe means one-tenth. And the principle that got established very early on, very, way before Moses was even born, way before the Ten Commandments, way before any of this, was this. You take the first tenth of your increase and you set that aside because that tenth, that 10% represents the 100% that I have blessed you with. And you take that 10% and you set that aside and that 10% is supposed to go back to God in the form of this. He says, bring it to my storehouse that so there may be food in my house, says the Lord. Let me give a very practical example, okay? I don't know how much more practical I get than this. Many of you know, most of you know, probably 90% of you here know, at the other end of this building, there's a food pantry. There's a food distribution ministry. That food pantry feeds over 1,400 families every month. So what is it? This is an exact example a clear example was God saying what because of your giving because of you bringing the tithes because of you bringing your financial offerings because of you doing that this place exists to be able to do what lift the burden off of families that can't feed their families right now whether it's something that's just this is the way life is going to be for them or if it's something that you just happen to fall into I remember 2008, when everything fell apart in 2008, we had, we had real estate professionals coming next door for food. Why? Their commissions disappeared. We had teachers, we had law professionals, we had, it wasn't just people that had been on welfare for decades. It was people that had never before experienced this kind of difficulty, that no matter how much I make, I can't feed my families. When the gas prices skyrocketed, and mo- let's face it, most of the people in our communities here commute. And all of a sudden, gas expenses doubled and tripled. What happened? It wasn't that people didn't have jobs. It was that no matter how much you're making, they still couldn't afford to feed their families. Why? Gas was taking a major part of the paycheck every week. And so what happened? We were here, we were there, we're still here. We're still feeding all those people. When the storm hit here in the area, we were here to feed the people. And, and we even feed the people that can't get here because we have a mobile pantry that goes over into Seaside, into Tom's River, goes to the hotels where the people are there, locked in their rooms, they can't get out, most of them don't have any transportation, and once their food stamps run out, that's it, they're done for the rest of the month. You have a part in that. This is what God's saying. When you bring the funds into the storehouse, then the storehouse is able to distribute it wherever it's needed. You're responsible for us bringing the gospel to all over the place. You know how many thousands of people watch our videos? Hundreds and thousands of people watch our videos all over the place. Some people are watching videos from two, three years ago. Well, you had a part in that. That's what this whole principle is about. And he's saying, you take that first 10% and bring it with a heart of honor it's not just about, you know, you know, some I know some preachers over the years have presented this concept. They make God to look out like a loan shark. If you don't give me mine, I'm gonna come and bust your kneecaps. <laughs> That's not the spirit behind this. The spirit behind this is this. Do you see, every time you and I bring that first ten percent to God, what we're saying is this Father, I am acknowledging that everything I have comes from you. The tithe is about honor. It's about gratitude. It's about acknowledging. Proverbs chapter three says, when we acknowledge him in all our ways, he does what? He directs our path. And that's why I'm telling you, listen to me, and please don't take what I'm saying as guilt or condemnation. My desire is to raise a level of awareness, okay? When you bring that 10%, when you bring it with a sense of gratitude, you're acknowledging God in all your ways so that he directs your path. I'm not going to ask anybody to show hands because there are so many Christians that are walking around today just wandering, aimless. They don't know what their purpose is. They don't know what they're supposed to do with their life. They just go from job to job. There's nothing fulfilling. Guess what? You're not acknowledging him in all his ways. So how, in all your ways, so how is he going to direct your path? You've told him, you have my heart. I'm glad that Jesus is my Lord. I can't wait to come. Well, I couldn't wait to come to heaven. But, uh, you know, that's the issue settled. But, but in this particular area here, You're not first yet in my life. And you know what's even more shame? And this is why Malachi chapter three exists and why the language is so harsh. Because there's some of us that knew this principle and walked out this principle and were blessed by this principle. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, we withdrew. And some of us think that because the ground didn't open up and swallow you, well, well, maybe it's not a big deal. No, no, you see, you mixed up God's mercy with his grace and it's a whole lot better to be under grace than it is to be under mercy. Are you, are you following me? So, so what is this all about? Let me, let me just give you a practical, okay? Tenth, one tenth, all right? So let's say, let's just grab a, a, a number, okay? One that's not too unreasonable. Let's say your paycheck is $800 a week, all right? Again, please don't take this as condemnation. If you're putting 20 bucks in, that's fine, but put it under offering. Why? Because it's not a tithe. Well, unless you never learned math, it's not a tithe. Are you listening to me? Because the first tenth of $800 is what? $80. Pastor, are you saying that I shouldn't come to church if I can't? Oh, stop it. Don't be a baby. Of course I'm not saying that. (laughs) What I'm saying is this. If you don't yet have the faith to walk in this principle, at least start someplace. But recognize that it's not the tithe. It's an offering. Now, maybe maybe in the near future I'm gonna teach on this because most Christians do not understand or maybe never even thought of the fact there is a difference, a very stark difference between a tithe and an offering. In an offering, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul talks about it extensively, extensive explanation, extensive set of directions and principles. He pretty much says it's up to you, whatever you desire in your heart to give, but that's offering. In the tithe, God tells us how much to give he says you take the first 10%. Now listen to me. Some of you think, well, that sounds exorbitant. Oh yeah? How would you like to only pay 10% of income tax? Most of us are paying 20 to 25 to 30% and you don't even have a say in it. In fact, they take it out before you even get your paycheck. Okay? So somebody said to me this morning, pastor, should I be tithing on my gross or on my net? I didn't even have to answer the question because the person said, oh, you know what? I just realized. If I pay on my net, then I put the government before I put God. And to the, see, the, tenth, the tithe is about putting God first. And so my, we practice on the gross, okay? And then, so, so a person said to me what time, well, you know, I'm getting a sizable income tax return, should I tithe on that? Well, let me ask you a question, do you tithe on your gross? Yes, then you don't have to tithe on that, why? Because you already paid the tithe on that gross amount when you first got your paycheck, right? God, God doesn't want any more. He's telling you that 10% is good. Now, I'm not even going to ask for a response on this. But can you imagine what the church in general, all over this nation, all over the world, if every single believer brought their 10th, what we could, we'd be lending money to the government. Can you imagine? There wouldn't be a homeless person in this nation there wouldn't be a child that had to go to sleep with just a half a bowl of cereal in their stomach. There wouldn't be a mother who had to worry about, I can't even afford to get my oil changed in the car. My car's wrecked, I have flat tires, I can't afford. There would, that wouldn't even exist if just the church would do just the bare minimum of what God said. Bring the first 10. But you know what's happened? People got selfish. People got selfish. It's a simple principle. Now listen to me, I'm so glad that he made it a percentage, percentage thing, because let me just say something about my personal life, and many of you know my story, and the story of my wife and I and our family, okay? When I got born again, when I came into this whole thing called Christianity, we were doing good. I had a business right here in town that was prospering. We owned a house right back here in this neighborhood. that I, My first home I built when I was 21 years old, okay? Built it from scratch. Filled with all brand new furniture. We started out very good. I get born again, we're still very good. It was nothing. I'm talking 30-something years ago. Nothing to drop a $1,000 in an orphan bucket. Nothing. Okay, not bragging, just t- stating facts. But then I started making stupid decisions. I started to not listen to the voice of the Lord. I was young. I didn't recognize the Holy Spirit's leading. And I made some stupid business decisions. And man. It was like, you know, when Samson brought the whole thing down on top of him, that's what it felt like. We went from really good financially, having just walking around with tons of money in my pocket, we went from there to losing our house, to losing our business, to losing the vehicles, to losing everything. And I'm like, God, this ain't supposed to happen this way. You know, I'm supposed to come into this poor and, and, and miserable and have nothing, and then you're supposed to restore me. Like, so I had to learn the hard way of getting restored by God after the results of making stupid mistakes. Now, when you start making stupid decisions and you refuse to listen to the voice of the Lord, then the enemy, the devourer, comes in. The devourer comes in because he knows now he's got somebody who's, who's distraught. He's got somebody who's desperate. He's got somebody who's mad at God because you think God did it to you. And what happens? The enemy comes right in and just finishes you off. Okay? But now watch this now. Watch this now. We never stopped practicing this principle. And I'm glad. You know why? Because it was easy when I had the thousands to give. But it seemed like there was more blessing when I could only put 20 in. Why? Because I needed that 20. I didn't really need the thousands at that point. It was extra money. Are you, are you listening to me? So, but it, why? Because the tithe is not about the money. It's about are you still willing to have the faith to put God first, even when you need every penny that you have right now? And let me tell you something. We would have never come out of that. We would have never. My kids always had everything they needed. They they always went to private school. They always always had the sneakers they wanted. They always had all that stuff. Why? Because we practiced the tithe. No matter how tough it got, God always raised somebody up to help us. God always put it on the heart for some people to bless us. And things and people, even people that owed us money for years, would come back and say, here, they had no idea what was going on in our lives why he said if you'll obey these principles if you'll conduct yourself according to this system i i'll get involved personally and i will shut the mouth of that devourer and he will not be able to and i will open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing so watch this watch this so i was still able to participate whether we had a lot or whether we had little because it's still 10% so even if i only had $100 i can give 10% that 10%s what $10 okay i could still participate that's the kind of God we have. He doesn't exclude everybody. He doesn't say, no, if you don't get this flat amount, don't even show up at church, you're not my child. No, he allows you to participate, whatever you have. It's just take the first 10, and make it first, please. When you sit down and do your budget, don't say, "Don't say." and I know this is tempting, well, I gotta pay all these bills off, and then if there's anything left. No, that's not, that's not putting God first. Let me ask you a question, do you think God is dumb? Is he stupid? Do you not? Don't you think he knows what bills you have there when you sit down at the table? Oh my God! I don't going to go down. What am I going to do with this? And how could this happen? Where's going? I'm like, where did you buy? What did you put on credit cards? You don't think he knows what you need? You don't think he's capable of supplying? But what does he require you to do first? Trust him. Now we can say, oh yeah, I trust God. I have faith in God. you I thank God. God's my God. God's my supply my needs. Well, where's the evidence of it? Where's the evidence of it? Because you want to know the truth? And I know some have heard this cliche, show me your checkbook. Show me your credit card bill. Show me, and then I'll show you whether God has your heart or not. Are your finances connected to something greater than you? Are your finances connected to the kingdom of God? Or are they still under the bondage of the system of this world? He gives that choice to you and I. He doesn't say, I'm going to take it. The devil says, I'm going to take it. And can I just be real honest? I'm just going to close with this because we're out of time. Everybody's getting nervous back there. Please take this the right way. You're going to pay a tithe one way or the other. You're either going to pay it to God or you're going to pay it to the devourer. Where would you rather have it go? Now, there's three groups of people here today I want to address real fast. We're done. Those of you that have been practicing this principle, God bless you. I, I admonish you to continue. You have my gratitude, I'm grateful, especially that you ch- chose to trust us here in this ministry with your finances and you trusting us that we're doing the right thing with it. And obviously the evidence is here, just by how we've impacted the community and, and families all over the place, right? So, so I advise you, continue doing that. Even if it gets tough, continue that. There. There's those of you that were practicing this at one point in time, and you backed off. And if you, can, if you really be honest with yourselves, You're backed off because in your heart, you're backed off in your relationship with the Father. Because you see, you can't stay close to him and not be grateful. You can't stay close to him and not want to give him what he wants and not want to honor him. You hear what I'm saying? Then there's the third group. You're hearing this for the first time today. Or maybe you're getting revelation in this area for the first time today. Listen to me. I'm not teaching this because we're in need. Please, I'm not. I heard somebody say this last night on TV and I went, man, that that guy's so great. You get to a point in your life where you think to yourself, you know what, I'm good. It's okay now. I'm not talking about because you've got six million dollars in the bank. No, I'm talking about where you realize, you know what, right now in this stage of life, I got what I need. I live in a a decent house. My bills are taken care of. I'm not not looking to, to grab and to hoard. I'm not looking for that. You get to a point where you want, you want to see other people experience the blessings that you've received. You know, and to be honest with you, I'm at that stage of life right now. We're good. My wife and I are okay. We're not looking. I, I don't want the responsibility of having to oversee all kinds of craziness. and, and so I, if I, want, I want to simplify my life. How many of you know what I'm talking about here? But, man, I, I realize we've been through hell in certain areas. And if there's any area that just please don't mistake my passion for for a plea for help. I'm passionate about this subject because God took us from having absolutely nothing. Lost everything. Driving in the car, where we used to tell the kids, put your feet up, because there was holes in the back on the floor. They could watch the road as we were driving. Took us from there to, to just restore us. And I wanna see others, and it just breaks my heart as a pastor, especially when I see a young couple especially when I see young people struggling for finances, worrying about and just being hopeless. And I might as well not even try because there's no way I'm ever gonna make enough money to, to do that. That breaks my heart when you, when you see that happen. I want to see everybody in this church prospering, 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 but prospering in God not striving on your own, not, not, not having to spend, to just have three different jobs and you never see your family, you're traveling all over the place, all this other stuff, and, and, and so yeah, yeah, big shop, got a big promotion, all kinds of money, but what's it costing you? You can't buy back those days that you're missing. I wish I had back the years that I spent working six, seven days a week, 18 hours a day. I would leave in the dark, I'd come home in the dark. It was like having a divorced dad home. I only saw my kids maybe once a week and I'm living in the same house. What are you sacrificing to try to, to try to, for you to get it on your own? Put yourself in God's hands and give him something to work with, amen? He said, I'll open up the windows of heaven and I will rebuke, even more importantly, I will rebuke that one that's trying to consume everything you produce, amen? Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word.